Hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. What you opening over there? So I got a... Yeah, I got to stop putting things in koozies. I don't know why I do this to myself. <laughs> I was going to pour it into a glass anyway, so that's really silly. Um, I have a New Holland Brewing Ichabod. Oh, New yeah. Holland is Michigan, I'm pretty sure. It sure is. And I've been to that brewery before. Oh, hey. Um, in Holland, Michigan. Yeah, I'd love to go there sometime when the tulips are in bloom. Yes, because they do all that Dutch stuff over there. They sure do. Mm-hmm. But this uh, Ichabod is a pumpkin ale, and it's made with real pumpkin, cinnamon, and nutmeg spices. This probably would have been more appropriate to have for our Halloween episode. Um, but I, I'm still trying to do the pumpkin thing since it's fall, so I I grabbed it and, and went for it. What are you drinking over there? So I got this wine for my birthday, which my birthday's in February, so it's been sitting here for a while. But it's called Menage a Trois. <laughs> oh, nice. And it's a 2016 California red wine. I'm sure people have seen this if they walk down the wine aisle at the store the description of it made me kind of uncomfortable so i wanted to read it to everyone oh nice Uh, (laughs) let's make let's start this on the right foot yeah let me get my my wannabe radio voice going (laughs) take a walk on the wild side and explore the pleasures of our menage trois surrender to the seduction of dark rich berry with a hint of pepper a lush lingering finish leaving you wanting for more <laughs> like, what the hell mm. it, it, the back is a little more serious and it, it does describe it pretty well um, and it's a blend that is based off of three varietals so it's Zinfandel Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon so it's pretty good I was surprised with those three I wasn't sure how it would turn out but this is a good beginner red wine. I know I said that about Pinot Noir before, but if you're looking to try a red blend that isn't going to totally like punch you in the face with dryness and surprise you, this is a really good one to try. So, yeah. I feel like I've had that one before. Menage a Trois was a, was a winery that we used to pick up a lot of wine from because you can buy it easily at the grocery store. I've never actually yeah. been to the winery. That was what I was trying to get out. I can't make the words today. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm apologizing about that ahead of time. <laughs> it's all good. Sam had a glass of wine while she BSed, so no promises on um, if she'll be able to do the words either in a little bit. <laughs> no promises on the word making today. Yeah. <laughs> But I did want to, like, go back to what you said about the pumpkin thing, because I was texting you earlier this week about how it snowed here, which was total bullshit. That's right. And it was making me want to put up all my Christmas decorations. And Bev's like, do it. Do it. Because there's this article floating around on Facebook about how, like, it makes you happier if you do it. So, I... But, like... I grew up in a household where you did not decorate for Christmas until after Thanksgiving. And that was so drilled into my head that it just feels wrong. So what I did to like fight that urge (laughs) was put a bunch of pumpkin spice creamer in my coffee. (laughs) Nice. To remind me that there's still Thanksgiving coming, Sam. And it's only like two weeks away so you can pump the brakes. (laughs) 
That's true. It worked. That is a good point. It worked because I, I took down my Halloween stuff today and I didn't put up Christmas stuff. I just have a few fall things still hanging out. So I'll probably wait until until like the day after Thanksgiving. But we'll see if I make it that long. <laughs> That's a good plan. We're planning on waiting until the day after Thanksgiving also. I tried to talk my husband into putting some stuff up early. Um, but he's like, I don't want the house to be decorated for Christmas when everybody comes here for Thanksgiving because we're hosting Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that does make a difference, too. And I guess I can see that. But he did say that he would move the mower and the mule into the barn for me so that I could use that garage bay to start staging the Christmas stuff so that I can see what we have. Because every freaking year I forget. And then I, like, buy more. And I don't need all this stuff. We're, like... Since we've, since you and I have started talking and we've, you know, like talked about the minimalism and we've talked about like some of our farm goals and stuff, like we're trying to do a better job here of spending our money wisely so that we have like, if there is any leftover, we have like the leftover to get to do the things that we really want to. Right. And not just like buy duplicates of junk we don't need. Right. No, I'm with you. (laughs) No, you're no, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head because I'm kind of in the same boat. And we still had so much shit out in our garage, like after like after the first full year of seasons of living in this house that I I didn't know where it was. I knew it was in the garage, but I didn't want to dig for it. So I was buying stuff to like make up for the lack of decorations. Yeah. And now that we organized all that. I have so much and it's like, okay, how much of this am I actually going to put up? So Right. Yeah, cuz it takes a lot of work to like yeah. put it up and put it away and store it and like and haul yeah. the totes up and down the stairs from the basement. Like it's a great workout, but it's right. pain in the ass. But I think <laughs> I definitely have the most like Halloween and Christmas decorations, but like Well, those I, are the funnest holidays to decorate for. Exactly. So That totally makes sense to me. Although I do have to say something really quick. My husband has taken this minimalism thing too far because we were dumping my pots out today into the garden beds. Yeah. He's trying to get rid of all of my little starter pot things because he's like, we can replace those for like $5. He has like this rule. If you can replace it for less than $10 within 20 miles, then you shouldn't hold on to it. And I'm like, no, these things are made out of plastic. I don't want to throw the plastic away. I want to reuse it. And I want it to last for as long as possible because I know that the plastic doesn't break down. So I talked him out of throwing those away. Because he's like, these things are cheap. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not the point. The point is that this plastic does not biodegrade. Mm -hmm. So I want to use them as starter pots for as many gardening seasons as we can so that we're being more earth friendly. So far, I'm doing a good job. (laughs) I thought for a minute you were going to hang on to them just for like, just because. And I was going to be like, Bev's a hoarder. But that's like a really legitimate reason to hold on to them. So that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, some of them broke and like the broken ones, like, okay, fine. I threw those away. Um, But I was going to try to fix them with tape. And he's like, now hold on a second. Like, (laughs) like how much, like, like, is it more earth friendly to get rid of this broken thing? Or like, you know, how, how much work and plastic goes into creating tape, you know, that's strong enough to withhold. I was like, all right, fine. We won't get into like semantics of this. Because like, I have no idea what the answer is. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. You guys are like a match made in heaven. <laughs> All of our conversations are kind of hilarious like that. <laughs> I don't, I can't wait. And we talked about this on the BS, but 
I get to come down and hang out with you in March when we go see my favorite murderer. That's right. And I'm excited just to hang out with you and your husband and meet your children and all that fun stuff. And then go run around Cincinnati around St. Patrick's Day weekend, which is just a happy accident, too. I know, right? It's like all of the stars are aligning for all of the awesome things. <laughs> they are. <laughs> But speaking of that, um, welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. That's right. And We're speaking... so good at introducing ourselves. <laughs> and speaking of awesome things, cheers to Ashley Kiernan for sponsoring our drinks. Woo! Thanks, lady. So thank lady. you, lady. Yeah, I think she's been our like longest running Patreon supporter for our drinks. I think so, too. I yeah. think you might be correct about that. I hope I'm correct. Otherwise, I'm going to have to correct myself next week. <laughs> That's why we have Corrections Corner. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm Bev. And I'm Sam. And uh, this is the podcast where we drink and talk about farming things and have a good time while we learn some stuff. And we really like to have discussions and provide new knowledge and entertainment. And sometimes we just go off on tangents. Yeah, speaking of tangents, if you really want to hear them, we have tangents up the wazoo up on the Patreon. (laughs) I was trying to think of how to say that. (laughs) It's our BS sessions. I thought you were going to say up the ass, so at least you chose a different (laughs) word. (laughs) Wazoo. Wazoo. But yeah, if you want to hear more about our plans to go see My Favorite Murder in Cincinnati... Um, you can go check that on the Patreon because our BS is for free. You don't have to be paying for that if you don't want to. Yeah, but, you know, while you're on the Patreon, maybe consider joining it because we're doing some fundraising so we can go to Coop Camp this year. Yeah, which is super exciting. (laughs) Yeah, our patrons are really... um, Besides our sponsors, our sponsors and our patrons are the people that like keep this podcast going. I mean, we do the talking and the editing and the posting, but and the drinking this. and the drinking. I mean, you guys <laughs> do the drinking too, right? <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> um, but because of you guys, we get to do this. So thank you. And I wanted to throw that out there that that's one of the things that we're working towards. Um, because maybe if somebody didn't really understand what the Patreon was for, maybe that will like, you know, put something in their head and they're like, oh, so that's like one of the things that they do with it. So I want to join it also. I don't know. Yeah. And I think we mentioned it last week, but since we just said Coop Camp again, um, if you missed it over on the Patreon, I think some of the exclusive content is the um, the conversations we've we've tried to have so far <laughs> with Brad yes. from Coop Camp and Coop Dreams, which is a TV show that you can watch. Um, on the internet, you can find it, or it's on DirecTV. You'll probably just have to do some Googling to find out what channel. There's four clips up there, and I think it totals like 40 minutes or something like that. There's oh actually God. a lot. Yeah, it's really <laughs> long because we were trying to create an episode, and we just we were having we were having internet connectivity issues. We kept getting kicked out. So a lot of it's just us like talking about that and stuff like that and just like chit-chatting with him, um, but it's all really good. So yeah, I think people will enjoy it. We're for real going to try to re-record that the day that this drops. So while you're listening to this, we might be talking to him and hopefully successfully re-recording. Yes, that is the idea anyways. (laughs) Yeah. So then we might hopefully drop that soon in the near future. We're very excited about that and everything that Coop Camp will hold for us. That is right. And don't forget to join our Facebook group. 
And don't forget to take our survey. There's a link to the survey in the show notes. So if you haven't taken that yet, that's another way that you can help make sure that this podcast keeps going. Yeah. And don't forget to review us in all the places. And thank you to the two people that reviewed us recently over on Apple Podcasts. It was, it just warms my heart. Like we hadn't had a review in a while and I was starting to feel a little lonely every time I'd go check it. So it was really nice to see some really good feedback over there. So please go over to wherever you listen to us and leave, leave a review and we'll be forever grateful. That's right. And also, don't forget to check out on our website. You can buy things that Sam makes. And in fact, uh, Sam is putting a, a super extra special spinoff of the gift that we sent out to our Patreon supporters up in the shop soon. So you'll want to be watching out for that. Yeah. Hopefully, by the time this drops, there will be like, I'll have made like a sample of it to show Bev and she can give it thumbs up or thumbs down. Awesome. Um, but you've probably seen some pictures floating around over on Instagram. We did these really cute tea towels. Everybody seems really happy with them, which I'm so glad because oh it my took gosh. me forever. I love mine. <laughs> they, mine is hanging up on one of my ovens right now. It's oh. like proudly being displayed and I keep telling people not to use it to wipe their hands. This is not what that one's for. <laughs> it is for looks only. This is not for functionality. <laughs> I'm like, well, you can use it for that, but I don't want it to get all stained. I want it to look nice, so. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. I have my tea towels that are just, like, funny that are on my dishwasher, and it's like you can dry your hands after you wash them, and that's it. Yes. But you cannot use this to grab a pizza stone out of the oven and then burn it all up and get it all ruined, because that's oh. what happened to my fancy Henny and Rue towel, and I was sad. Oh, no. I was like, we have potholders for that. You guys know that, right? Don't be lazy. (laughs) (laughs) First world problems. (laughs) Right? Well, we have a correction this week for Corrections Corner. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. So while I was listening um, and editing last week's episode, I realized that when we were talking about California's Prop 12, we kind of made it sound like the Prop 12 would have something to do with um, the confinement of meat chickens. Um, but oh. it didn't address meat chickens. It only addressed egg-laying chickens. So I realized like our conversation might have sounded a little confusing. Um, but that's all right, because we have follow-up on Prop 12. So if you were confused last week about our conversation on Prop 12, we're going to tell you exactly what it is this week <laughs> in a little more organized fashion. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> that's so funny. I didn't even think about, like, um, meat chickens. You would think that that would cover it. Well, you would think so, too, right? Because, I mean, like, they're the same creature that lays eggs and that we get meat from. I mean, you know, they're different breeds of chickens for different purposes. But some are dual-purpose chickens. Um, Right. But if you're going for, like, high, you know, well, the most bang for your buck, you're going to buy the rapidly growing meat chicken to process in that environment. Not necessarily the dual purpose. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, um, so, I mean, one of the reasons why I think maybe 
this proposition just had to do with egg laying chickens is because like I don't know egg laying chickens are a prettier chicken I guess like you know how they say like endangered animals like if you show the pictures of the cute ones you can get people to donate more money but you know like (laughs) nobody shows pictures of like the native fish that my company tries to help save because nobody thinks they're cute I mean I think they're cute but (laughs) (laughs) that's fair that's a face only that Bev could love. Yeah. Well, me and my company, I guess. So there's at least eight other people that love them, too. And there you go. So, yeah, I guess this leads right into our follow-up, you know, for this week. Because California passed Prop 12 with a 61% yes vote, which is pretty uh, loud and clear. Yeah, that's pretty resounding. That. Yeah. And I'm not surprised by that. Are no. You su- yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by that outcome whatsoever. No. Not at all. And I think it's because, like, reading through the language of the proposition, it would be really hard to say no because you feel like you're saying no to better treatment of animals. Which no one wants to be on the side of that. Right. But I think it kind of goes back to um, a side conversation you and I were having before we hit record, where you can say no to a proposition based on the way it's written, not just based on the like the subject matter and then that's okay but it's frustrating because it takes two years to get anything um, written up again yeah so you have to outweigh like the timeline and the way it's written and decide if it's good enough and i'm not convinced that a lot of people even get to that point of realizing if it's good enough or not they're just making they're just having a reaction when they read it yeah that's just an assumption I'm making. I'm not saying like all people do that <laughs> because I'm guilty of doing that in the past. But now it's like I really try to dig and look at it from multiple sides before I just fill in that box. Yeah. Like yes or no. Voting is a big responsibility, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. And it's not just because you get the sticker. So to refresh your memory from last weekend to give a more organized breakdown of what this is it it requires farmers to go cage free for their poultry and that's just the egg laying chickens yep egg laying poultry by 2020 it also bans the sale of pork and veal in California from farm raised animals in cages that do not meet the new minimum size requirements um, and that requires, starting in 2020, calves to be confined for production. Uh, or let me, that's worded really weird. So calves have to have at least 43 square feet of usable floor space, while breeding pigs have to be given 24 square feet. And this is by 2022. And then egg-laying hens by 2020 have to be given one square foot of floor space each and then they'll be cage free by 2022 so i just threw a lot of numbers out there <laughs> yeah that is that's a lot of numbers and what i found so interesting after and i didn't realize this when we had had our conversation last week um but california had already passed something that was very similar to um oh my gosh what's the proposition number that we're talking about prop, prop 12, 12. <laughs> <laughs> i was just looking at a different number and my brain just like <laughs> All right. So California had already passed something that's super similar, um, and it was back in 2008. They passed Prop 2. They just failed to spell out the exact measurements, which I think was why they decided to come out with a new proposition, because without the exact measurements, it was uh-huh. harder to like enforce or decide whether or not you know people were actually 
you know, following the rules of it. Um, But basically, uh, the language of Prop 2 said that calves raised for veal, egg-laying hens, and pregnant pigs should be confined only in ways that allow them to lie down, stand up, fully extend their limbs, and turn around freely. So that was what the original proposition passed in 2008 said. And it was funny. As soon as I read that, I was like, well, wait, like my chicken's wingspan it's at least like 15 to 20 inches like if they spread them all the way out uh-huh. so that means that one square foot per hen isn't enough room to fully extend their wings so now I'm back on Peta's side I hate this proposition <laughs> <laughs> right and and it's kind of frustrating because it's like how many people voted for prop 12 that didn't even know prop 2 existed that weren't old enough to vote 10 years ago when Prop 2 was passed or are just new transplants to the state. Because, you know, like, big areas like L.A., San Francisco, you don't necessarily say, I was raised in L.A., yeah, San Francisco. You usually, like, go there. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you're a transplant. So it's like, how many of people knew that background information? I mean, just Googling Prop 12 before the election that information didn't come up. Like, you would have to do some serious digging to find that. Yeah, nobody goes past page one on the Google results. Like, we're no. all guilty of that. No, and I was I was very surprised that the news articles that I looked at last week didn't say anything about this. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is really interesting also. It's, you know... They don't go past the first page of Google results either. <laughs> well, that's, that's going to get me in some trouble. Right. <laughs> well... So, and and something else that I found kind of interesting about this after I started digging, because I knew that we wanted to follow up on it, is, um, so, I don't know if you follow, like, the farm bill stuff very closely. I mean, I'm guilty of not following it closely, so I'm not saying that I do whatsoever. Um, but I did find that there is something that they've been trying to put into the new farm bill that hasn't passed yet. They decided to shelve it until after the midterms were over. So currently we're working on an expired farm bill, I guess. It expired uh-huh. September 30th, and they're trying to put something new forward eventually. Um, but there's this amendment that Representative King keeps trying to put into it, and what the and it's called the King Amendment. And what this amendment would do is um, it would basically undo legislation like this that California just passed because it would make it, it it would make it illegal for California to require other states that send in their you know meat or eggs from these animals it, being raised in a different conditions than California requires it wouldn't allow California to make that decision okay so could California still have that those requirements for any farmers in their state they just can't force that on the people coming in well so i think what's coming in what this king amendment does is i think it just removes states rights to enact legislation like that so i think it would undo the actual like the requirements within their state as well yeah i know which i was like oh wow like that kind of stinks a little bit um but i have mixed feelings about that one (sighs) Because I, I see, I see both sides of it. I understand where this king dude is coming from. Yeah, I because no matter how you slice it, like requiring all of the the meat and eggs coming from out of state to meet your state's minimum requirements, you're imposing your state's, you know, rights onto other states. Right. Um, but then this king amendment is also taking away states' rights to decide how they want their food treated 
before they eat it. Yeah, exactly. So like no matter how you slice it, it's a state. Yeah, it's a state rights conflict, right? Exactly. But so I at first when I heard about it, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because like I don't want I mean, I live in Ohio. I want Michigan telling me what to do. Just like Michigan doesn't want Ohio telling it what to do. Oh, hell no. (laughs) Right. One of the theories that's behind, like, why he keeps pushing for this um, King Amendment, because it keeps getting kicked out. They can't come to an agreement on it, I guess, so they keep kicking it out. Um, Surprise, surprise. I know, right? (laughs) Um, But they think that he keeps trying to push it because farmers in his district wouldn't be able to compete against farmers who practice good animal stewardship. Um, And... So what they're doing is like by pushing this measure that abolishes any and all state lo- state and local agricultural laws, um, it's allowing these states that don't have like as as strict animal welfare, you know, rights, it allows them to flood the market with these, you know, less expensive and, you know, less happy products. Um, which makes it so that these farmers that have these higher expenses by treating their animals, you know, above or at least at these minimum standards have to have to incur. Right. No, that it makes total sense. Like I understand where everybody's coming from, but then it goes back to that whole thing of, um, hello, you as the consumer already have the choice of where you're buying your shit from. That's true. I think people forget that they have that choice. Yeah, and that you don't need the government to hold your hand for everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I try to be very down the middle, but I also enjoy common sense and realizing that sometimes it's so easy to get sucked into this stuff when really you are empowered to already make that choice for yourself. And if with this whole Prop 12 passing and depending on what happens with this King Amendment, Overall, this is going to be very, very expensive. Yeah. I mean, because Congress is going to keep fighting about it no matter what. And... They're going to keep firing, uh, firing about it, fighting <laughs> about it. And it's going to cost the state of California as much as $10 million a year to enforce this Prop 12 and millions of dollars more a year in lost tax revenues from farm businesses that choose to stop or reduce production because of higher costs. So this is going to be a very costly thing for the state of California. And it's like, that's the thing I'm not sure that people were thinking about when they when they cast their vote. They're just thinking about the cute little animals <laughs> that they want to do right by, which I can I can completely understand that. But it's at the end of the day, this is still a business and there are going to be re- like trickle down effects and repercussions and ripple effects of this and it's I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out yeah I am too like because this isn't like the area that I specialize in so it's hard to like project exactly what's going to happen um but Mm -hmm. I'm really thankful that we have this space to like talk about things like this because yeah it's funny two years ago if you had asked me if I cared about the farm bill or like what legislation another state had going on about like farm animal rights I would have just shrugged my shoulders at you Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have really even known where to begin so like to be able to start to kind of think through and talk through these things I don't know I just I'm 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 happy about that part of it yeah it makes you more woke as the kids say these days. More woke. Is that the word for it? I don't know if we're allowed to use that You're word. You're woken. <laughs> no, it just, yeah. I was about to go on another tangent, but I won't. Yeah. 
But yeah, we're we're more aware. And it's just, it, it goes hand in hand with us just understanding more and more where our food comes from, especially our meat, since we rely on stores, you know, at this point in our in our farm journeys yeah. to provide the majority of our meat to us. So it's important to know what's going on with that. That's true. But anyways. Whew. So we have Henny and Rue Corner today. Yes, something more happy and uplifting. Woo! Yay! Oh my gosh, I was so excited to get my Henny and Rue box this month. Oh my god, me too. You want to know why I was so excited? Because I saw that there were socks coming. And I freaking love socks. Oh my gosh, socks are my favorite thing also. Especially this time of year, because during the summer, I'm like, screw socks. I don't want to wear you. But in the winter, like... Uh, my socks don't match anyways usually um so i was excited that these chicken and egg socks that we got um purposely don't match but they clearly go together yeah and they're a lot of fun i i I love my socks i haven't taken them out of the package yet because i'm still hoping to get a good picture of my box with my flock around it i feel like i fail at that (laughs) all the time so my box is still like perfectly assembled sitting here next to me um but i'll bust into it next week (laughs) Same. Yep. I've, I had intentions. And because it snowed here, I was hoping to go out and get like a fun snow picture. But that just didn't happen because I didn't want to go outside because there was snow on the ground. Yeah. So. Going outside <laughs> when it's like cold totally makes it much harder. Um, but I was also excited about this box because it has the chicken medic bag in it. That's yes. something that I've been waiting for for forever. And in fact, I almost busted it open today because I still need to do some more follow up stuff on Honey Shaker's foot. And um, this medical bag will make it easier for me to do that by myself. So I'm not going to have to wait for my husband necessarily like well, to do everything. My, <laughs> my husband was like, how do you get the chicken in the bag? Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a great point. So if you put Honey Shaker in the bag, you're going to need your husband because he needs to take a video of it. Oh, that that's a good point. Although, I mean, I managed to get my chickens dressed in tutus all by myself. Oh, that's true. So I'm going to say I'm going to be able to get her in the bag by myself. Uh, she's a fighter, but... <laughs> it would be a good chitch slap moment, though, if it did not go well. Right, yeah, I need cameras. I need cameras nearby to catch that. Because <laughs> I can't stuff the chicken in a bag while I'm taking a selfie. Mm, mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, I don't you have that many hands. Arms. I need more arms. Yeah. Why wasn't I born an octopus? <laughs> oh, and I was super happy to see the chicken um, or the chicken treat toy back in there because I got one a while ago, but my husband ran it over with a lawnmower. Oh. So I was excited to get one of those so I can, um, it'll be a great boredom buster for the chickens as it's getting colder and they're in the coop more. So I was really excited to see that in there too. Oh yeah, for sure. And the poultry paradise chicken treat that was included in the box also fits really nicely into that chicken toy. So it's kind of like a, you know, that Kong thing that dogs use that like spills treats out, but it's for chickens. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I always appreciate, you know, more first aid stuff. So I was happy to see the saline solution in the syringe in there because you can never have enough syringes, especially (laughs) if you have to give like oral medication, like those are perfect. So the the saline is going to be great for um, flushing out flesh root wounds and things like that. Things that get stuck in eyes. (laughs) Yes, it doesn't sting for the for the chickens. So that's really nice. 
Yeah, I learned something new on the card this month in the Henny and Rubox. Saline has almost the same salt content as blood. So that's why saline is the perfect like flushing solution. I always wondered why saline was. I never thought to just look it up myself, but I didn't have to. Because Tina told us. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. Tina taught us some things. <laughs> that's, that seems like it needs to be a hashtag. Tina taught us. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I like that, too. <laughs> and then we also got that super cute notepad that says, I like chickens and chickens like me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take that to work. All of my work notes are going on that. Yep. Yep. I'm going to take that to work and hand people notes. And they're going to be like, what is wrong with this girl? And it's going to be like more than you know. <laughs> <laughs> so great job to Henny and Rue. Another awesome box. I was so excited to get it. Oh, I know. And as of uh, us recording this today, there are still some November boxes left. So if you heard about the stuff and you want to get one, you can go to hennyandrue.com and you can pick one up without having a subscription. But if you do decide to subscribe, be sure and use our code drink and farm mm-hmm. and you'll get 10% off your first box. Woohoo! And you should do that just in time for Christmas. Oh, that's right. So, Sam, if you took one of your chickens to sit on Santa's lap, what do you think they would ask for? Uh, definitely some of Messy Mildred's organic chicken shampoo and salty egg bombs. Well, it's a good thing uh, because that's what all my stinky chickens are going to get for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make your holiday shopping so much easier. Yeah. And it's great because Messy Mildred shampoo and salty egg bombs are a perfect way to spoil your flock. If you have a house chicken or love to snuggle your outdoor feather friends, you'll appreciate the way they smell and feel good about your egg layers being pampered with natural and earth-friendly ingredients. That's right, because Messy Mildred spa products do not contain synthetic fragrances or colors. So go get some now at MessyMildred.com and let the chicken spa day begin. So we have to give a big shout out to Bess Bowman for giving us our topic for today. Bess Bowman is in our Facebook group. Yeah, so it was super great. She posted an article in the group earlier this week, and I put a GIF on it. So I know I saw it, but then I thought it was my brilliant idea to talk about this topic, and it turns out that subconsciously I was inspired. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Bess, for... um, doing some of the homework for us today by giving us the topic uh, slaughter-free meat. Slaughter-free meat. Everybody's going, what on earth is that? Yeah, they're <laughs> like, that sounds like a science lab experiment. And guess what? It totally is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was really funny. The article that Bess posted, like it started with this quote from Winston Churchill And I guess in 1931, he had predicted that the human race would one day escape from the absurdity of growing a whole chicken in order to eat the breast or wing by growing these parts separately under a suitable medium. Wow. Was he he like a psychic or something? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But it's funny. We had talked about that, you know, like how chicken parts are packaged like separately. Like, you know, the happier pieces that people tend to prefer and... Yeah, light meat, dark meat, yeah. <laughs> yep. Lean meat, fatty meat, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he he was a uh, 
a thought leader, I guess we could call him. (laughs) At least in this area. I don't know that I agree with everything he ever did. But um, this meat is not to be confused with vegetarian plant-based burgers and other meat substitute products, though, um, which are obviously gaining popularity in supermarkets, especially for vegetarians and vegans and all that sort of thing. So this is separate from that group of fake meat. (laughs) Yeah, because this is actual meat that's grown from animal cells, and it can be described as cultured meat, synthetic meat, in vitro meat. I don't know. That sounds kind of yucky. Lab-grown meats. Or even clean meat. I don't know. I don't know that I like clean meat either. (laughs) No. In vitro meat just makes me think of, like, in vitro fertilization. Oh, yeah. Which makes me think of human babies. So... Like, these name options aren't great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's so funny that the name options are so terrible because there's actually, like, disagreements going on right now between, like, the companies creating this meat and cattle farmers. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. So I think it started out either as, like, lab-grown meat or cultured meat, and then it went to, like, this clean meat name, and now it's being called cell-based meat. Which I don't think is much better. I don't think so either. None of those things like sound very pleasant. Um, But cattle farmers are really pushing for them to call it lab-grown fake meat. Because that's what it is. I mean, well, we're obviously, like, this topic is so big. And I was showing Bev some articles earlier about how they actually get, like, the serum to make this work. And... It's not a fun thing to think about. So we're saving that discussion, that level of detail for a later episode. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because it makes, like, the the process of it is a little macabre, in my opinion. (laughs) But I can totally see why cattle farmers are like, yeah, no, this is not, you can't call this meat. Yeah. Like, one rancher from Montana said that by calling it meat, they're hijacking our brand. Ooh. Yeah, uh, they're hijacking their brand because, you know, like meat is actually harvested from a from a real animal, like in period, like you can't argue that. Um, but this new meat, this cell meat, I don't even know what to call it. I don't know what the right word is. Um, but this meat actually does come from a real animal. Also, it's just that the real animal doesn't have to die because they're taking cells from the real animal and then like growing the pieces of the animal, not the animal. Did that? Did I say that in English? <laughs> I, I think so. I, it sounded all English to me. <laughs> I feel like everything coming out of my mouth sounds like like it's coming from like some weird science fiction when I'm talking about this subject for some reason. <laughs> no, it's definitely weird. <laughs> it does. It is a little weird. Yeah, and uh, like I've like I watched some videos on it this afternoon. I'm trying to be like super open minded about it, but it just looks disgusting to me too. And it's not just beef that they're trying to do this with. There are um, they're they're trying to do it with fish, and then um, I can't remember the fancy word, but you know how I guess the state of California actually outlawed this kind of meat where it's like it's duck and they force feed ducks to make their livers super fat oh i've never heard of this it's f-o-i-e gross oh foie gras frog gras yeah <laughs> okay that's a mouthful try okay. to say that while you're holding a beer in your hand <laughs> no kidding 
Okay, so not only are they doing this, trying to do this with beef, they're doing it with fish, and they're also doing it with frog gras. Frog gras. The more I say it, the more I'm positive that I'm saying it wrong, so we should just move along. <laughs> um, they're doing it with chicken, too. <laughs> no, it's actually duck. So the French term means fatty liver, so frog oh, okay. is duck. But yes, they're also trying to do this with chicken. Yeah, because the one article that Bess had uh, had linked to was all about chicken meat. Right. So the I'd like to back up on the whole fatty liver duck thing, though, because the state of California actually um, banned that from that state because apparently the way that that works is workers ran pipes down the throats of male ducks twice a day, pumping up to 2.2 pounds of grain and fat into their stomachs, or they do it to geese three times a day up to four pounds daily. Ew. Daily. Yeah, to make that fatty liver. So it's actually like, I think it's really great. Like if you, if that's a delicacy and something you're into, there is actually a meat substitute that is available, like a quote unquote meat, a fake meat substitute for that now. So if that's something people are into and it tastes like the same thing, go for it. But I don't think I need to eat fatty liver any day of the week. Yeah. I don't know that I do either. I had never considered eating foie gras. It always just like looked kind of gross to me um but i don't know i guess i don't have a very refined palate either so hmm. yeah but anyways that was kind of like a long way around to say people are working on this for more than one animal yeah i think they have i think they have really great intentions because they're thinking that it's going to be more sustainable but it doesn't really get around like the whole vegan or vegetarian thing because it's still made with animal products yeah yeah, that's very true. Well, and it was so funny. Um, during this, we were reading all these articles about like the fight about what they were going to call this new meat. I mean, clearly we're still having trouble trying to decide what to call it. Um, but my favorite thing ever from that was, um, you know, the the cattle farmers really want it to be called lab grown because that automatically like ding, 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 that's fake. Um, that's not what's in the movement right now. You know, like the food movement movement is all about you know, things that come from farms, fresh things, or, mm-hmm. you know, like things that you can, you can grow in your own backyard or harvest, you know, from your own place or get from a natural. farmer's market. Natural. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. That was a really yeah. long way to say the word natural. No, but it's all, it goes back to buzzwords and marketing. Like, yeah. This all does. And it just, it's kind of scary because it's like, well, we do eat things that are created in a lab now. Oh, really. yeah, we totally do. Well, and they were saying, well, if you're going to call our meat lab-grown meat, then we have to call Doritos lab-grown Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> and I just laughed out loud for real. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'd still eat a lab-grown Dorito because they're delicious. That's true. <laughs> lab-grown Doritos are delicious. Although the people growing this meat insist that it's not going to be grown in a lab. It's going to be grown in a production facility aka a lab i mean you can call it whatever you want right yeah (laughs) will it be a lab that has hay in it so that makes it a farm production (laughs) facility (laughs) it'll probably get into the fake meat so that's why they won't put hay in there There won't be hay in there yeah Yeah. or straw straw is more appropriate because they don't have mouths so they don't need to eat there you go straw is for sleeping hay is for eating (laughs) that's how i remember it (laughs) that's a good way to remember it yeah um, but the reason why they're creating this meat is is really fascinating um, because they want to stop the slaughter of animals. 
which, you know, is a good thing. Right. But until they learn, and we'll get into this more, until they learn how to do this without that serum that we'll talk about later, that's not possible. It would decrease the number of slaughterings that would happen, potentially, but it doesn't fully stop it. Yeah. And also, like, factory farming does do some real serious damage to the environment. Yes. So, you know, that's another positive for lab-grown meat. And, I mean, they're also trying to solve the world hunger problem. I mean, we do have a super crowded earth, and... We're destroying the planet by creating – we eat a lot of meat, like, as a society yeah. now. We eat yeah. a lot more meat than we used to. <laughs> I think I'd rather go vegetarian than to eat fake meat, though. You think so? Uh, I say that, but mm, I'm wondering if this thing works, though, and it, it does help with world hunger, but – there are a few things with that. It's far off because the video I was watching today said that the first lab-grown burger that they made was cost like over $300,000. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I was watching another video where they said they got this one um, fake meat product down to $7,000 per serving. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have that much money for dinner. <laughs> yeah, and that's not going to ser- serve world or, um fix world hunger anytime soon so we got a long way to go financially right but that to scale that that's with anything um i could see it turning into like the fake meat or lab grown meat or cellular whatever you want to call it um it's fake meat that's what we're gonna call it (laughs) um i could see that being like the poor man's food and then if you're eating like actual animal meat that'll become like a like a higher class type thing. Oh. Like escargot and the fancy shit that you don't eat on a regular basis unless you're freaking loaded. Yeah. I wonder if that's what would happen in like 50 to 100 years. So that's really fascinating because like I don't know I don't know if if you'll know this. I only know this because I did like some flour mill tours in Minneapolis. Um, But originally like whole grain wheat products – those were being consumed by people who were considered lower class or poorer. And like the rich people ate, you know, like Wonder Bread, like white bread. <laughs> Isn't that That's funny? really interesting. Yeah. And it turns out that like, you know, like the whole grain stuff is healthier for you to begin with. So now, you know, it's kind of flip flopped back, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I eat both white bread and wheat breads. So I'm not saying one's like better than the other, but one is definitely more nutritionally dense than the other. <laughs> Like, there's no arguing that. Yeah. Right. But honestly, like, white bread with mayo is way better than whole wheat with mayo. So I kind of get it. (laughs) I like to make French toast with white bread. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something, you know, I think I live the life where I want both. Mm -hmm. So that's what you get when you're middle class, I guess. (laughs) You get to flip between both worlds. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that it's a fascinating thing to think about because like these stats that we pulled from this article um, that Bess had shared in the group, it says the United Nations says raising animals for food is one of the major causes of global warming and air and water pollution. So even as the conventional livestock industry strives to become more efficient and environmentally friendly, many doubt it'll be able to keep up with the rising global appetite for protein. So that's an interesting 
couple sentences to me for a couple of reasons. So say that we keep things status quo right now with the animals, but the population keeps increasing. And then the rest of that population that's increasing is the one that eats like all the fake meat. So really, you're just pausing the problem. You're not really taking care of the problem. Because there are always going to be people that are going to prefer real meat. Like the, the one of the videos I was watching saying, the only thing they can do with that meat right now for, for like beef is make it look like ground hamburger. Yeah. They are so far away from making things look like steak. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's really great that they're thinking this way, though. And I think it's important work. And I think it's worth the time and the money because it could solve a lot of problems. But I just question how much of the problem it's actually going to solve. I feel like it's just going to be a Band-Aid, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it'll kind of depend, too, because, like, we'll eventually grow old and die off. So the people who are used to eating, like, real meat from animals won't be here anymore eventually. That's true. Not to be dark or anything. (laughs) We just took this down a whole notch. (laughs) Deep thinking for your Friday commute to the people listening to us on their drive into the work on the way home. Oh, that's true. And kind of scary. It makes you feel mortal, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it certainly does. But at the bottom of all of this, we posed a question like, but would you eat the meat? Um, So would you eat it, Sam? um, I would try it. I'm very curious. I would try it all. Um, but I don't know that it would be my regular. It just depends on how good it actually is and, like, how they're making it, like, the morals that go into it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because I do want to talk about that thing um, that you sent me about how they make it eventually um, because I feel like there's a couple of different ways that they make it. Yeah. So yep. um, so it'll be fun to have that conversation. It's too much to talk about right now, so... Yeah. We're having cliffhangers all over the place on this we podcast. <laughs> Next time Evan Sam don't know what to talk about, they'll talk about the serum that they use to do this <laughs> for one method. It's not all methods. <laughs> but what what about you? Would you eat it? So you know what? I had to think about this like really long and hard. Luckily I got to take a shower before we recorded. <laughs> so I got to like think about that while I was showering. Like, would I eat fake meat? Because, you know, like I moved from the suburbs so that I could move to a homestead and like create my own food and having food created for me outside in a lab, um, like is the sort of the opposite of that. Yeah. But then I decided that I had to say, yes, I would eat it because I didn't do this because I enjoy slaughtering animals also. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it became like a catch 22 in my head. Yes, because if it's generated in a lab or a production facility, whatever the hell they're going to call it. (laughs) Yeah, we could get into semantics about words all day. (laughs) Yes, and that's what a lot of this is, too. Yeah. Um, It's it's not necessarily a controlled environment. Um, They try to make that lab a controlled environment, but... And I've seen that, I saw an article that talked about them disputing that they'd use antibiotics in it and blah, blah, blah. Um, But in your backyard, you know exactly what that thing ate, what medication it was given or wasn't given, vaccinations, you know all of that. Yeah. Whereas in this lab, we know the mess that is food labels in this country. That's true. Don't necessarily know what they did to that fake meat. (laughs) Mm. 
Now maybe I want to take back my yes. See? See? <sighs> but I think it's okay to say yes, though, because we just don't necessarily know right now. So you, you just take the information that you have. That's true. Yeah. So with the information that I have, I have to say, yes, I would. But I do want to add a caveat to it. And it's not that I think that like we're coming up on the end of the world. Like I'm, I am not a person that puts a, I, I don't, I don't do a lot of like, you know, prepping for the worst um, that could possibly happen on the planet. <laughs> no, really? You don't? No, I don't do that. <laughs> and I'm over here thinking like, how can, how can I build a bunker? <laughs> and I'm like, everything is sunshine and rainbows. It's all good. Um but I do think that there's something to be said for, like, knowing how to actually raise animals and, like, go through the butcher pro- butchering process. And, like, I like I like hands-on old-world skills. I like progress because I like to do things better. And I like to do things, like, you know, in the best possible manner that we can. So, like, if we find that raising real animals is just too hard on the environment and the earth can't handle that then like I guess I have to say that we shouldn't do that anymore but on the same hand like it's important to know how to do things just in case you ever have to go back to it like for whatever reason like if it's the end of the world and you have to slaughter your own food you know (laughs) well or we find out that there's something in this process that makes it so that our bodies don't break down this protein the same way you know like there's just so many unknowns about it yeah no exactly it's so up in the air. And I, it was interesting when I like, keep talking about these videos. I should probably send them to you so you can link to them yeah. in the show notes. <laughs> I feel like it was one video that I watched, but it was kind of long. Um, it talked about how your brain is wired to be very skeptical about things and to um, protect yourself from like unknowns. Like So you're not poisoned. You're not eating things you shouldn't be. So you have to get around this fake meat thing psychologically too. And it's kind of hard work because we're hardwired to just know what we know and trust the things that we trust already. Yeah. So like you said, we don't know what the long-term effects on this could have on a human being. So yeah, like it's hard to say whether or not our bodies would even process the protein not, you know, grown conventionally. Like, you know, we might not be able to absorb it for whatever reason. You know, right. bodies are weird. They work in a specific yeah. way. So I don't know. One of the meats was like, not only was it um, the the quote unquote meat, but it, they use like potatoes as a filler. Oh. So it's like, what nu- what's the nutritional value of this fake meat? Because they're using fillers to make it cheaper. What is that nutritional value going to look like? And is it actually going to be worse for you? than meat that is real and was mooing at one time. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that anytime they're talking about using fillers in food, it's probably not going to be a great thing. Because, like, we've talked about how they, like, use fillers in honey, you know, to, like, adulterate Mm -hmm. honey and make it, you know, like, stretch further. And, I mean, that's, like, a a common food industry practice that's kind of frowned upon. So if that's the way that they're going to go about it, then I'm going to say it's not going to last very long. Yeah. No, I agree. But I'm interested to try it. And I was fascinated by all of the, the stats on like, I I mean, I knew that meat production did a number on the planet, um, but I didn't really like have like the full perspective of it, I guess. Yeah. No, I think 
this is just a really interesting beginning of a conversation that's going to be had for a while. I was surprised how far back some of these articles I found went. I didn't realize this was a thing for a while, but it makes sense that has been a thing for a while based on the phase that we're in with it. So I feel like that was a lot of information. (laughs) It was. I mean, you know, it's a fun, interesting conversation to have. As you can tell, we didn't really have a whole lot going on on our farms this week. No, (laughs) no, we didn't. But I think we could wrap this up with a feel good story. Yeah, I think so, too. So some of you may have seen on Facebook because I saw it in multiple places and groups that I'm in and from our friend Brad over at Coop Dreams in uh, Coop Camp, um, the story of Jack and Diane. You guys, a donkey and, a, and an emu are in love with each other. I thought that that was just such a cute story. Although I thought it was funny that they kept saying that they were in love with each other. They could just be like a bonded pair. It's more marketable if they're in love. <laughs> and it's forbidden love, Beth. Forbidden love. It's it's intraspecies love. Interspecies. Yes. Inter, not intra. Inter. I said the wrong word. Yeah, there we go. That's better. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this shel- animal shelter that has them in North Carolina was like super scared that they weren't going to be able to be adopted because they're so bonded and they're very protective over each other. But, you know, so it turns out, though, that they totally all they had to do is go viral and now they're going to be adopted. Right. Because they've received like thousands of phone calls and adoption applications for them. <laughs> the power of the Internet. Right. So. Apparently, they don't get along with other donkeys and emus, so they're recommending that they don't be put in with other animals because of this. Um, Apparently, they just enjoy each other's company and that's it. So that's why they were so scared that they wouldn't be able to adopt them out. But like Bab said, the power of the internet, they were getting a ton of calls. Um, And I think they had to like set up a separate email or Facebook post or something to field all of the attention this was getting. Yeah, they they totally did. And in, in fact, I know Brad from, from Coop Dreams tried to adopt them, but he said that he didn't get them. So I want to say that they have adopters, um, but I couldn't find that information on who adopted them or, or what the story was. But um, I think it's safe to say that Jack and Diane are going to get to spend the rest of their lives together. Yeah, I was really hoping that you could get a hold of them because that would be just really good for the podcast and we could update our logo. <sighs> yeah, you know, it was funny. I, I was glad that Brad tried to get them because if I had tried to get them, my husband would have like, I ruled me hard. <laughs> He'd have been like, not only do you want a donkey, but you want an emu to go with that donkey. Like, um, yes. <laughs> Emus are awesome. All the animals. I want all the animals on our farm. <laughs> you could totally do a chicken selfie Sunday post with an emu, and I would approve it because I featured somebody that did a chicken selfie Sunday post with an <laughs> emu once, and it was adorable. And I really, I want emus. I want emus someday, but my husband would kill me right now. <laughs> so we'll wait for another day. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, this is We Drink and We Farm Things, and I'm Sam. And I'm Bev. And make sure you follow us over at Drink and Farm on Instagram. Uh, We also love it when you use our hashtag Drink and Farm, and we feature a post on Tuesdays and a post on Thursdays of you drinking and farming safely. That's right. So drink. Farm. And and give zero zero clucks. clucks.
Bye, guys. Bye.